Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I can feel the presence of the Lord in this room tonight. Amen. I can feel the Spirit of God in this room tonight. I was praying and I was, I was seeking the Lord, uh, you know, earlier and and just, you know, for this opportunity to be able to minister His Word. And it's always my privilege, church, to be able to minister the Word of God to you tonight. And I was praying and, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is it that we need? What are we missing, God? What is, what is it that, that your people need right now in this season? What is it that we might be lacking? What is it, Lord, that, that we are uh, uh, just uh, in need of in this, in this moment? And the Lord told me that we need an outpouring and an infilling of his Holy Spirit. That we need an outpouring and an infilling of the Holy Spirit once again in the lives of everyone that bears the name of Jesus. Amen? We need, church, the presence of God now more than ever before. I can't stress that enough. I can't stress the, the time that we need to spend with Jesus uh, uh, more so, church. While the world right now and many people in the world and many people in the church, their love for God is growing cold. Their love for God that was once a, a, a burning passion that was once just on fire for God that was once, you know, willing to, you know, push everything aside to meet with God. There are many people right now that their love for God is growing cold. But I pray for us tonight. I pray for the people of God that are in the house tonight, the people of God that are watching online. Maybe they had a good reason for not being here. I pray that you are growing in your love for Jesus. Amen. You are growing deeper and deeper in love with him. The fire that God put into your life through the spark of the Holy Spirit is growing and it's illuminating and it's blazing and it's growing even more. Amen. I pray that's what's happening in your life tonight. Amen. It's not enough, church, to know him like we did yesterday. It's not enough to know the Lord like we did yesterday. Because as the body of Christ, we need to know the Lord in greater measures as we mature in him. We need to know the Lord in greater measure as we mature in him. Sometimes we get too smart for ourselves. Sometimes we've been in church long enough and we've done this long enough and we've sat in the pew and we've heard the sermons and we've heard the gospel and, and we know the verses, you know, verbatim and we can recite every book in the Bible. Listen, that's all fine and good. But listen, the Bible said that Jesus himself even said that we should pray for daily bread. That we should pray every single day to forgive those who have sinned against us and as we for, ask for forgiveness from God. This is a daily relationship. And so yesterday's bread is not good for today. Yesterday's bread is, is, is spoiled. Nobody likes eating, eating leftovers. I know you don't. That's okay. We've had an awesome debate in our family sometimes of how long is too long to eat leftovers. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a three, four, five day kind of guy sometimes. You know, some of you are, are maybe like, you know, that afternoon, and if that's it, you didn't get to it in the fridge, you know, it ends up in the, in the trash can. And there's such a thing as spiritual leftovers where, you know, you have relied on 
what you knew of God in the past. And that's okay that we are reminded of those things, that we know who the Lord is, and we are given those healthy reminders every single day of, of who the Lord is and how he's working in our life. But I would encourage you, church, to seek daily bread. I would encourage you to seek a daily fresh fire from heaven. Amen? Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 is kind of our central verse tonight. And I know that many of you know this verse, but it says, May the God of hope, everybody say the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may, be, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read this one more time. I want you to read this with me tonight. Everyone say, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, we just give you the, the freedom, Lord, in this place tonight to speak to our hearts. And God, we just open our hearts, Lord, and our minds and our ears, Lord, to, to be sensitive to your word tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that it is not my voice, Lord, it is not my own accord that is speaking, Lord, but Holy Spirit, Use me as your vessel, Lord. I surrender myself to you tonight. May your holy word speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This must be our prayer, church. This must be our prayer that we would be so full of God that we would have joy and peace in all situations so that no matter what happens, our reservoir would be spilling over with hope because of the power of the Holy Spirit. This needs to be our prayer that we would be overflowed in our, in our hope with God. That every circumstance, that every day that you would face, you wouldn't go into the day saying, oh man, woe is me. This is going to be a tough day. This is going to be a tough you know, moment. This is going to be a tough season to get through. But rather your heart and your life would be overflowing with hope. That you would never lack hope. That is because you trust in God. These are the results of trusting in God. Did you know that as you pray to him and as you live a life of thanksgiving towards him, the Bible says in Philippians 4 and verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you trust in him, when you are steadfast, when you're looking at the Lord, when you are focused on the Lord, he guards your heart and he guards your life. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, I love this verse. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Verse 4 says, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Amen. In the times that the peace of God rests upon your minds and hearts, you are able to see the lordship of Christ. You are able to see the authority of Jesus over all things. It's sayings like this in Matthew 8 and 27. It says, the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and waves obey him? You see, when the peace of God is filling your life and the peace of God is all over your situation, you're just as, 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 
as in awe as the disciples were, they say, who is this man that can speak to the wind, that can speak to the waves, and somehow they obey him? You see the authority, you see the dominion of God in your life. Matthew 16 and 15, he says, but what about you, he asks. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. These disciples, church, they were witnesses of the power of God. And this is key. They were witnesses of the power of God. That is, they weren't simply people that were invited to a cool church. They weren't just fans of Jesus. They had seen the storms stop. They had seen the demons cast out. Are you following me tonight? They had seen blind eyes open. They had seen deaf ears become unstopped and hear. Why? Because these are the results of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to that verse one more time. Let's read this again because I don't want you to miss this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the overflow of hope doesn't come by anything else but the Holy Spirit. If you are hopeless, it's because the Holy Spirit is not reigning in your life. Amen. If you are hopeless right now, if you are burdened, if you are worried, if you are full of anxiety and, and chaos in your mind, it's because the God of hope, the God of hope's missing in your life. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the things that you've witnessed him do, the things that you have prayed for, that you've seen come to pass, those things that the, only the Holy Spirit can do could be lacking in your life. But I pray for those of you that are in the house that are on fire for God. How many of you are on fire for the Lord? Amen. I pray that you are on fire for God because, listen, the Holy Spirit is in your life. And that overflow will never stop, church. That overflow of the joy of Jesus, the, the peace of God, the hope that we have in Christ, it will never stop. The disciples saw the power of God. How many of you have ever witnessed the power of God? Raise your hand. Come on. How many of you have ever witnessed the power of God? How many of you have ever witnessed the power of God and the hand of God work in your own life? Amen. How many of you are redeemed because of the Savior that you have in your heart and your life today? How many of you have seen people set free from oppression? How many, how many of you have ever seen somebody set free from suicide? How many of you have ever seen someone set free from drugs? Amen. That's the power of God. And because you've seen it, you have hope in your life. You have hope in your life. Those are the results of the power of the Holy Spirit and not man. You see, there's a lot of man-made churches nowadays. There's a lot of temples built by human hands. There's a lot of churches that have tried to do things on their own accord, on their own merits, on their own works, on their own programs, on their own traditions, on their own religions. And guess what? They're lacking in hope. They're lacking in the power of God. People are walking in as oppressed and as depressed as when they leave. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not present. You see, a lot of people go to churches and the Holy Spirit's not even there. You say, Pastor Duke, how could that be? Listen, there's a way that you usher in the presence of God. It's called surrender. It's called worship. It's called loving him. 
you walk into a church and make it more about yourself than the Holy Spirit, than the presence of God, then you're there for the wrong reasons, my friend. If you're there to be entertained, if you're there to be, you know, somehow, you know, you know, catch some nice catchy phrase that you can use and tell your friends, you know, that is a complete, you know, you know, misunderstanding of the nature and character of God, but it sounds cool, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Listen, the results of the power of the Holy Spirit that, that the disciples witnessed, they were signs and wonders of God. Acts chapter 4, let's look at this. Acts 4 and verse 13, I love this. These signs and wonders, they left the Sanhedrin members speechless. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, they were ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Verse 14, it says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. They're a witness. They were an unbelieving, you know, uh, council of men. And they were trying to trap these disciples. They were trying to, you know, cite them for wrongdoing. And they were trying to cite them for, you know, preaching the gospel when they shouldn't be preaching the gospel. And they were looking for a reason, church. They were looking for something to pinpoint upon their life so that they could somehow stop the work of God and silence their their teaching and their message. It goes on to say, but since the man who was standing there was healed, uh, there was nothing they could say, verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. Verse 16, 16 says, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further amongst the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18, then they called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? He says, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul speaking, he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, let me stop for a second. Because again, there's a lot of preachers out there nowadays that are just trying to tickle your ears. They're just trying to say something that sounds good so that you can repost it on social media so that you can say, oh, man, that guy's cool, that guy's smart, that guy's this and that. And Paul is saying the exact opposite. Paul knew the law. Paul of his day was one of the most educated men that you could find. Paul was an eloquent speaker. Paul could use the best verbiage that you have ever heard. Paul could have, have said so many things that would have sounded so nice to their itching ears. But Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. 1 Corinthians 4 and 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of, everyone say it, power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 
My concern for the people of God in today's churches is that there is a generation that has been raised without the power of God. This is my concern for today's church, today's generation. There is a generation that has been raised over the last however many years that has believed things like the prosperity gospel and the feel-good gospel and the gospel that is about you and the gospel that is about, you know, you know, your life and your blessing and your prosperity and all these things. And they've believed all of these things, but yet they have never experienced the power of God. And such a generation, if it continues on like this, it won't be a gospel generation. It won't be a Christ-centric generation. Because if all they are saying is words and there's no power of God, how can you have hope? How can you trust and how can you believe? There's no one being healed, it seems. I see churches post numbers of how much money was given and how many people supposedly got saved and how many people are now Christ followers and how many people got baptized. That's nice. It's good that they took note of it. But the gospel that Jesus lived out in this world that you have said you witnessed, that you just declared that you have received from, is a gospel of power, church. When the Lord steps into the room, things happen. When just one touch of his garment is able to heal a woman from her bleeding and her issues for over 12 years of living, church, when just one touch of his garment, church, is that powerful, listen, we cannot settle for anything less but the power of God. Can somebody say amen tonight? But when no one is being healed, in fact, they're as oppressed, depressed, worry-ridden, backslidden, bitter, angry, and without hope as they were when they walked in the doors. I, I believe, church, it's time for this generation to have a new portion of the power of God. Can you agree with me tonight? Amen? I believe that it's time for this day to be an hour of the power of God. I believe it's for God's people to have an endless, abounding source of hope in Christ because they are witnesses of the power of God still today. This is what I believe the Lord wants for us. How many of you want to see the power of God in your life again? How many of you want to see the power of God in your churches again? How many of you want to see the power of God manifest in your city again? This is what I want to see. I want to see dead men walk. That's a bold thing to ask for. But I serve the God church that's the lion and the lamb. I serve the God that has the resurrected power, church. If he can raise Christ from the dead after being in a tomb for three days, surely, church, there is nothing that is impossible for God. Amen. Nothing is impossible for him. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see rivers of living water sweep through this place. I want to see sinners saved. I want to see every shred of religion perish. I want to see the Shekinah glory of God take over the house of God once again. Amen? 
You see, the enemy and his wicked agenda has separated people from in places of employment and places of gathering. People have had to vacate large gatherings and meetings and assemblies. When you would normally be in a church like ours, people are home and the building is empty. The gathering place that was once full of life was just four walls. And even because of a virus, even those that occupy a place as this cannot or won't even walk into the house of God at this time. Think about this, church. I want us to make note of this. Very seldom the Bible records times like these when the ministers or priests were unable to enter into the temple of God. Very seldom does the word of God teach us about this. But on such occasions that this happened, the reason the ministers were unable to enter into the house of God, it wasn't because of a virus. It was because of God's glory and the Shekinah glory of God had taken over the temple. Second Chronicles chapter 7 in verse 1 says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. And it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It says the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. It said when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down in the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good and His love endures forever. He is good and His love endures forever. Imagine with me, church, just for a second. Imagine with me not being able to set foot inside of this building because there was no room left because God had filled every square inch of this temple with his glory. The ushers had to stand outside the door because they couldn't stand inside to let you in. The worship team had to play in the parking lot because the glory of God was here. It was an uninhabitable place because the presence of God, church, was so grand. It was so weighty. It was so, you know, just uh, awestruck that nobody could enter into that place. The omnipresence of God took up all of the space. Think about that just for a second. The beautiful thing is this, church, is God doesn't have to abide in a building or a temple anymore. Because Jesus gave us access to the throne room of heaven. Amen. Jesus gave us access. And guess what? You are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. And the Bible teaches us that the hearts of those who have confessed him as Lord, they become a home for the glory of God to inhabit. They become a place, a dwelling place for the presence of the Spirit of God. And I believe the Lord would say to us today that he will once again fill the temple of God's people's hearts with his glory. And though many have tried to push out God from our world, our communities, and even our churches because of their own agendas, I believe the Lord is saying once again that there will be a release of the Shekinah glory of God once again in our hearts and a release of the power of God will go viral in the church once again. Amen. That you and I would be able to carry the authority of God in the impossible situations. That they would be those who would release the powerful, unconditional love of God back in the earth. This is what happens when your heart, church, is full of the glory of God. When your heart is full of the glory of God, church, there is, there is no room left for anything else. 
There is no space left for your agenda. There's no space left for what you want. There's no space left for your desires, but you're simply submissive to what the Lord wants you to do. Because of the king of glory, because he lives, the king of glory is alive. His word says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. I love this word of prophecy. It says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. It says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. And it says, and even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I was praying with some brothers of mine the other day. And when we were praying, the Lord had given me a vision. And I, I saw clearly, church, a, a picture, what looked like the largest picture I've ever seen in my life. And I saw the world that looked you know, like a marble in comparison to the, to the pitcher. And it began to tip. And I saw two things. I didn't just see water like you would see in a, in a, in a pitcher. It wasn't clear water, but it was fire and water. And there were two things that were happening. Many, many times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about his fire. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost that there would look like cloven tongues of fire that had rested upon the people. Amen. But the Bible also says in the book of John, describing the Holy Spirit, that he will be like a well that comes up from within our life. Amen. And so I saw this mixture of water and fire. There's, I can't describe it. All, all I know is it was, it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen. And it was pouring out into the earth, church. It was beginning to tip over into the earth. And I believe that there's something happening in our lives today, church, that we need to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit in this season that we are living in, that we need to empty ourselves, And we need to empty our cup. And we need to empty our life and our agenda so that we can be ready to behold the glory of God. So that our cup can be ready to receive that which the Lord wants to pour into our life. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The beautiful thing that I love about the Lord is, like I said, we are his temple. A.W. Tozer said this, keep a Christian from entering the church sanctuary and you have not in the least bit hindered his worship. He says, because we carry our sanctuary with us and we never leave it. Amen. That is the presence of God is indwelling in our life. But in order for the Lord to pour, we must, he must find vessels that are empty of themselves. In order for the Lord to begin to pour out his spirit, church, we have to be empty. We have to have gotten back to that place where it's like, Lord, I want nothing else but you. Nothing else but you, Lord. Nothing else but you. Psalms 42 in verse 1, you know this verse. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Oh, God, he says, my, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. It says, when can I go and meet with God? I love that. I love that. I pray that your soul is thirsty for the Lord. 
I pray that your heart and your life are still have that desire to be filled. Still have that desire to say, Lord, work in me, God. Lord, I, I thirst for you. I am a deer hunter, for those of you that don't know. If you've ever set foot in my office, you will find out. <laughs> but one of the ways that you will see lots of deer is they have to have a source of water nearby. And if there's water, there's life. If there's water, there's life. And they will always find the water. They will always search the desert until they get to that place where they find the water. And so when I read this verse, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. That is, there is a thirst, a hunger in your life. There is a searching that happens in your life where you will never be satisfied until you are just meeting with him. Your, your soul will never be satisfied until you're just in the presence of God. He says, when can I go and meet with God? When I read that question earlier today and as I was preparing, when I read that question, I, I asked myself this, you know, just on the behalf of so many people. Are people still asking that question? My heart was just reading that and saying, are people still asking this? When can I go and meet with God? When can I go and meet with God? When can I go and, and bow before you, Lord? When can I, how early can I rise, Lord, to bow before you? How early can I wake up, Lord, to, to receive your word? Or are people not even considering that God exists? Or are people not even considering the fact that he has been so merciful and he's been so gracious and he's been just abounding in love in your life? Have they even not considered God anymore? He said, where can I go to meet with God? I want to go there. Show me the way. Show me the way so that my soul can be quenched, so that my soul can have exactly what it needs. And we are here today, church, to meet with God. Amen? I pray that's why you're here tonight. But the question of the hour is, are you filled? The question of the hour is, is your soul filled? Many times, church life pulls us in many different directions that we don't desire. I get it. And even though we know where the water stream is, we must ask, are we filled? Even though you know how to find the water, are you filled with the living water? Have you been pulled from the streams of God's living water by some sort of issue, problem, or something that has your soul preoccupied? You see, for believers, even we too can find ourselves away from the refreshing pool of the presence of God. And, and for unbelievers, they're still searching like a parched animal in the desert. But can I remind you that your soul, that God has made a way for us to have times of refreshing and times of grace and times of his peace and his joy and his infilling and his love through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us all things, church, for life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is a person that God has given to you in your life, to have in your life. The Holy Spirit in John 4 and 14 was described as living water. Let's read John 4 and 10. It says, he replied, if you only knew what wonderful gift God has for you and who I am, then you would ask me for some living water. If you really knew who Jesus was, if you really knew how good God is, 
You would ask him for living water. He said, but you don't have a rope or bucket, she said. And this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water than this, which he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? And Jesus replied that people soon became thirsty again after drinking that water. But the water I give them, he said, it becomes a perpetual spring within you, watering you forever with eternal life. I don't know about you or what you're going through today, but I will say no matter what it is, all we need is a drink from the well of life. All we need, church, is to drink from the well of God in our life. If it is sin, God's well can purify your life. If it is judging, God's well can wash the plank from your eye. If it is gossip, God's well can cleanse your tongue. If it's a broken heart, God's well will repair and give you life. If it's depression, God's well will give you joy. If it's sickness and disease, God's well will heal your life. If it's direction, God's will will guide you, church. He will give you all things. But stop searching in other wells. You will never pull sweet water from a bitter well, church. You will never have satisfaction that your soul longs for outside of Jesus, outside of the presence of God, outside of the glory of God. Nothing else will satisfy you. People put their hope and their trust and their armor and their wealth and their finances in the things and possessions that they have. The Bible says, church, that those things are going to rot. They're going to get eaten up by the moths. You see, it's not about what you gain in this world. It's about who you gain in your heart. It's about who is living in your heart. Christians should live in the world but not be filled with it. A ship lives in the water, but if the water gets into the ship, it goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world gets into them, they sink. The point is, is that people that profess Christ but don't walk pleasing to the Holy Spirit will not last. We must be those church who commit in these last days to be filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. I want to see the Lord face to face one day. How about you? I want to see the Lord rapture us one day, church, and I want to see this church be absolutely empty because the Lord is taking everyone up to be with him. But listen, the first thing that must be done in order to be filled by God is ask God to empty you. Ask God to empty you of you. Everybody say, empty me, Lord. Say it like you mean it. Say, empty me, Lord. It's pretty simple. In order to be filled afresh, we must ask the Lord to empty of us of everything that is not pleasing to him. Philippians 2 and 5, reading out of the literal translation, might look a little different on the screen. It says, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but did empty himself. It says, the form of a servant having taken in the likeness of man and having been made. The NIV in verse 7 says, he made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The, new, uh, the King James says, he made himself of no reputation. 
And he took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, I want us to think about the words that the Bible uses to describe Christ's action and his attitude. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing, and he made himself of no reputation. See, everybody in our world right now is trying to make a name for themselves. Everybody right now is trying to make a name for themselves, whether it's in their career, whether it's in their job, it's in their workplace, whether it's the the thing that they they try to do well. They want to make a name for themselves. And the Bible says that Jesus did the exact opposite. You can't tell me that all that power that he was filled with was because anything else resided in his heart. No, he was empty of himself. He made himself as nothing, and he made himself of no reputation. Stop trying to make a name for yourself. And allow the Holy Spirit to fill up every space in your heart and every space of your life. Stop trying to please man. Stop trying to please the masses. Stop trying to please the crowds. Stop trying to please your peers and the pressure that they want to put on your life. Empty yourself. Make yourself of no reputation. Make yourself as nothing. That word empty means empty. (laughs) It is a picture of pouring water out of a glass until it is empty or the dumping of something until every fragment is removed. It's the very picture of being completely empty that stirs a feeling of just how far Christ went in humbling himself for you. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was 100% God, and he did not have to come down here. Did you realize that? He didn't have to. But he was obedient to his father's voice. And he made himself of nothing. The Lord who we are to serve came and served us. The Lord who we are to love came and loved us. The Lord who we are to adore, he came and he adored us. The Lord who we are to wait upon came and waited upon us. The Lord whom we are to minister to came and ministered to us. The Lord who we are seeking, he came and he sought after us. See, the great distance, church, between the majesty of Christ in heaven and the humility and humiliation of Christ upon the earth, it can never be measured. It was so vast It was so vast the lengths that Jesus went to, but the Bible says that the last shall be first and that the least shall be the greatest. Jesus is the greatest because he became the least. You see, our understanding of the distance would amount to no more than a small bucket of water compared to a vast ocean. This is exactly what Christ is calling you and I to do with our own life, church. He is calling you and I to empty ourselves of our passions, our desires, our selfishness, our sin, you know, to be so focused on him and his plan that he becomes the fullness of our heart. He wants to have all of your heart. We need to make this our prayer. John 3 and 30, I love this verse. He must become greater and I must become less. Everyone say it with me tonight. Say, he must become greater And I must become less. One more time. He must become greater and I must become less. 
Every single day is an opportunity to become less. Every single day is an opportunity to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Not my reasoning, not my agenda, not my desires, none of those things. Your will be done, Lord. A church full of themselves leaves no room for the Holy Spirit. But a church with its only agenda being to please, Christ will empty their hearts in order to behold his glory. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.